so weird. Like it just keeps evolving. <laughs> it's magical. It is. Hey everyone, my name's Tamar Medford and you're listening to the Connected Calm Life podcast and I'm excited to be here today. Uh, so good to have you on the show. I want to do a happy dance. If you guys were watching, I'd be dancing. Uh, welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Lane Kennedy and this is the Connected Calm Life and it is going to be... Mm, this is going to be another good show. I mean, every show is really good. I'm really liking how the Fridays are turning out. And every week tomorrow, I get to speak with a new co-host. And it's just changed. I think it's changed my desire to show up. <laughs> it's changed the rhythm of the show. It's changed, uh, you know, the people who listen. It's been really cool. So thank you for co-hosting today. How long are you sober? Nine and a half amazing years. Um, I like the half because every day is a miracle, right? It is. Yeah. How long have you had your podcast? I have had my podcast since the end of 2019. So I still feel new, Mm. but it's evolved so much, just like my sobriety, actually. Yeah. What made you get into having a podcast? Oh, you know, it's funny because our mutual friend, uh, Mr. Shibley, mm-hmm. I actually, you know, I needed some motivation at the beginning of 2019 because I had started gaining weight again. I was getting unmotivated. I was complacent in my recovery. And so um, one of my friends had said, Tamara, have you ever listened to podcasts? You really should listen to these. And I'm like, what's a podcast? Like, I'm thinking, you know old person radio and I was like no I'm not I'm not listening to a podcast but she's like give it a try recommended some and I thought hey these are pretty cool and so because I was into health and fitness I actually started looking into some health and fitness podcasts and I found our friend and I really loved how he connected with his guests because just like in recovery I could relate. Mm-hmm. It was easier for me to understand, okay, I like what this guy does. I felt like he knows the language, he's been through it himself. So I ended up going to one of his events. And at that event, he had a number of podcasters there. He so kindly, because he knew I was coming down from Canada, invited my friend and I out for dinner after. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, one of the other podcasters there's like, Tamar, what's your story? You know, you're not drinking clearly. And so I shared a bit of it, right? I just, I always say I'm a retired professional for people who, you know, don't know. And um, she's like, okay, got it. It always has a little bit of a laugh and they always let it go. But she said, you know, have you ever thought about starting a podcast and sharing your story? I'm like, no, you know, who's going to mm-hmm. listen to me? And she said, you know what, if you can impact even a handful of lives by sharing your story, why not go for it? And so, you know, being an all-in kind of person, I thought, I'm going to start my podcast. And I I started it as soon as I got home. It's so funny. That's It's so typical, right? All in. Let's jump into the deep end of the pool. Uh, That's one thing. That's a character trait that I love about people in recovery. Uh, And before that, we're going to back up the bus for a minute because I like I know you from this point on, but I don't know any of your backstory. And Adam, our mutual friend, uh, he's always just been like, you have to know her. She is a god. 
(laughs) (laughs) And so I want you just to unpack. Um, I know a little bit from reading your bio, but we've hung out and we've gotten to know each other, but I don't really know, you know, the backstory. So how did you land in, like, how did you land in sobriety? I want a little tiny, just a little snippet of that. A little snippet? Um, Well, you know, I started drinking because of my inability to handle my emotions. And for me, I started with alcohol, turned to harder drugs, turned to relationships. Like, I was always seeking outside external sources for love, right? And that just somebody to tell me it's going to be okay. And alcohol and drugs made me feel that way. And then I decided, well, let's shift it a little bit. You know, my life has become a little bit terrible now. And I got married because I thought, hey, if I get married, everything's going to be better. I'm married an alcoholic, of course. And we were married for six years together for nine. But at the end of that, um, nothing changed, right? Because I was still looking for that outside love and validation. And I got really depressed. I was medicated. Um, I had turned, um, I was off harder drugs for about nine years in my, in my story. You know, I got off them in kind of my late twenties. Cause my, what kind of drugs? Uh, cocaine. Oh, you're, like, fr- you're from the nineties. <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my God, there's something out there that's not going to, that's going to allow me not to black out and I can right. drink more. I'm all on, like I smoked crack the first time oh I tried God. cocaine. Yeah, I just go all in. I love it. I would have hung out with you. (laughs) I was like, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but then it led to prescription painkillers because (gasps) I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, what? What kind? (laughs) Okay, Percocets. Oh, yeah. T3s, like anything that anybody gave me, I was like Skittles. Yes. Okay, you You are truly like down and dirty. I feel like there's a progression that happens, uh, you know, when you bounce or like start bouncing around, at least that's my experience is that, mm-hmm. you know, it was drinking. And then I, you know, went into the white powder land and that white powder land wasn't enough. So then it was like, I, f- you know, fumbled with some pills and then I had a surgery and then I started going down that prescription and boom, then I got sober. Thank God. Because that's when the oxy world opened up. Mm-hmm. And I remember a friend going on it. And, and for some reason I was like, you know, that just doesn't, mm, I, mm, no, I'm not going to take that. Cause I literally saw her, like we would wake up in the morning and she would be out of it. Mm-hmm. And she was just taking it because she was taking it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I was like, okay, I can't like, there was, a, there was like this invisible line that I knew that I couldn't cross for yeah. that one specific did you do, did you do oxy too? No, okay, I had okay. not. Percocet was the worst it got. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but oh. the the interesting part is my the reason I got addicted to painkillers was I had a seven day bender where every day called in sick for mm-hmm. work. I you know um, just terrible. And then ironically enough, I went back. I was an order picker, and I was lifting five kegs of beer onto a pallet. Now, as an alcoholic, I thought, ha that's pretty funny. I slipped a disc in my back and I was off work for three months. So I was getting paid by the government mm. to take pain killers. And so 
you know, mix the alcohol, the cocaine, and the painkillers now. And I had a really good time those three months. But it was also probably, I'd say, the darkest time in my addiction. Suicide. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Yeah. If that was today, I wouldn't be alive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I can relate to that. Wow. Okay. And you had a moment of clarity. I did have a moment of clarity. I sat on the floor with a bottle of painkillers, right? <laughs> because I'd had my, my gallbladder removed and a oh, morphine. Pff, that was a trip. Um, <laughs> good thing they didn't give that out for free and I had nobody that could get it for me. But I had turned, you know, I had I'd gotten off the, the cocaine for nine years, started dabbling in it again, knew I had to change, right? I was... 215 pounds, financially bankrupt, unhealthy, unhealthily married. Is that a word? Unhealthily? Unhealthy married. <laughs> <laughs> and severely depressed. And I sat on the floor with this bottle of pills. And I just, I remember sobbing. I was sitting with my dog. I had a little pug at the time. His name was Rudy. And they give you that like little head tilt, right? And apparently God's, our dog spelled backward as God. Mm-hmm. And just something in me, I just said a little prayer, like, God help me, because I was tired of hurting the people that I loved. And I just had this, like, divine intervention, I call it. But something in me just all of a sudden had the desire to live. And it's like, listen, you didn't go through this 22 years of hell, right, to do nothing with it. And I just had the desire to change my life. And the funny thing is it wasn't the desire to get sober right away because that took another six months, but I knew something had to shift. So you stopped taking the pills. And I'm just, I'm thinking 215 pounds. That's, you were like three of you. Oh, I'm I'm getting up there again lately because I love food, so I'm working on that again. (laughs) I know, but But, I'm I'm just like, (laughs) you're not very big. (laughs) No, I hide it well. I, I, I like... That is a that is a spiritual awakening moment, right? That is thank you for sharing that. It really we have these moments in our life where it's like do or die. Mm-hmm. Have you had yeah. a lot of these? Or is that one? I mean, I know that I've had a lot, so have you had I had one? a lot of physical bottoms. Mm. You know, I was talking to somebody else the other day about that. Is that, you know, in my worst of my addiction, I had a lot of physical bottoms where I just thought like I was thin. I just, ugh, right? I, I was in places, like I was in crack houses, mm-hmm. sitting around with a bunch of people I didn't know. And I'm like, how did someone like me get to a place like this, right? But my my last bottom, when I started digging, that was a real spiritual bottom, mm. right? That was like, I had I was spiritually bankrupt. I had nothing else to give, or so I thought I had nothing to give. Broken. Broken. Yeah, makes it really challenging to live it when does. you're at that place. Yeah. Ugh. But I didn't want to. I didn't want to hurt anybody anymore. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm sure that our listeners can relate to just a little piece of that somewhere. I know I sure can. Uh, so let's fast forward now to life today because life today is so fun. And you're approaching... <laughs> that long-term recovery, (laughs) like that 10-year mark where I, you know, I feel like that's when the lights went on for me and my life evolved. It it like went warp speed. Are you feeling any of that right now? 
Oh, yeah. I feel like I'm so far out of my comfort zone Mm -hmm. that I'm riding this continuous wave of discomfort. But to me now, that's become almost a new addiction because I'm like, oh, I just want to like hold on to that feeling of what's going to happen today. Oh, I'm so scared, but I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly what it is. Like there, there is like, okay, I'm just jumping into the dirty lake. Like I, the murky lakes, like I don't like lakes. I can go into the ocean, but for some reason, lakes freak me out because I can't see the bottom. I don't know. But that's what this like 10 is like jumping into that lake. <laughs> yeah. Full on. Full on. Uh, when you were, let's see. Two years ago, I'm just going back to when you started your podcast and you had that conversation. What else was happening in your life? Oh, what wasn't happening in my life? I just, I take on everything. I'm, like I said, I'm that all in kind of person. Yeah, actually, you're kind of a little bit of a codependent. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I like, it's hard for me because I'm not a codependent at all. And a lot of my clients will talk to me about that. And I'm like, no, you say no. <laughs> like, they're like, but how? I'm like, you just say no. <laughs> mm-hmm. So let's get into the little bit of the codependency stuff because now is the time of the year when there's a lot of mm, giving, let's just call it what it is. <laughs> yep. How do you kind of navigate your relationships and life in recovery now uh, around this particular area. Well, it's interesting because I never looked at myself as a codependent, right? I was fairly independent, which has codependent issues there. Um, and I feel like my recovery, you know, you, you, as you do the work, your onion gets smaller, right? You start to peel mm-hmm. away these layers. And all of a sudden, my onion just became like a full-size sweet. I'm going to call it a sweet onion because it's it's a good onion. And there's all these new layers. And so what I came to realize was that when I started to look at my emotions, my beliefs, and my behaviors, right? Because in the past, I was so used to looking at resentments in my part. And I'm I'm good at looking at my part now. But it's like I would try to control and sometimes not even realizing it, right? Like somebody talking to you and you say, oh, you should do this. Well, okay, you're trying to control their outcome, right? Mm -hmm. Instead Mm -hmm. of talking about something between them. My partner, same thing. You know, if he does something I don't like and I try to manipulate it to a way that would suit my needs. Um, Also, the biggest thing was I have no control over the behaviors of others. And because I'm an empath, I'm very, you know, I have some very good, solid friendships. I've had friendships for people who have followed me into addiction, through addiction, abusive behavior relationships, into recovery, and always have just loved me, right? Because they know the person that I really am. Mm-hmm. And then in recovery, I've met people who you do one thing wrong and it's like walking on eggshells and so you start to people please and you want to fix it. And I love to fix things. I love to deal with things, but I don't like confrontation. And so I start doing avoidance behaviors. I start to overeat. And for me, that is something that I'm very mindful of now is that I can't control how you feel. I can just control how I respond to it. It's so hard. 
It's hard. It's difficult. (laughs) Yeah, the confrontation piece, I think many women in particular uh, just stay away from that. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like that's a big, huge challenge. And, And as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about different people I've coached and different people I know how, you know, hiding out in behavior and then perpetuating that codependent relationship. And all of a sudden you're just in this snowball of poo. (laughs) And it's like, well, how do we get through that? Right. And I like this idea of like understanding that you have no control. Mm -hmm. It just, it breaks down to, jumping back into the moment. And this is what I talk about getting back into the moment and being very present with yourself. And that's, I mean, it sounds so selfish, but like, if I'm taking care of myself, then you're going to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. And, and we forget that. Right. Yeah. We just like, we forget that taking care of our needs is priority one. And it's, it's not selfish. Like, Oh, I'm not going to take care of you too. But if my needs are emotionally met by, I call it the ocean of yum or this power greater than me, um, then we're going to be so good and there's not going to be any friction between us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think about that? Am I on the wrong page? No, you're totally, (laughs) you're in the same book here. (laughs) You know, it's interesting because my my spouse and I right now are going through a big transition where, you know, we live separately because of what he does for a career. He's taken on another client uh, who he cares for. And so his time is being spent um, basically adjusting to home life, right? And it's great. I love what he, what he does. I admire it. And um, But of course, we've been working so hard at being present with each other and prioritizing our relationship, right? Because we actually broke up a few months and then got engaged. So how about that for Mm -hmm. working on your codependency? And, but for me, if, you know, he's like, hey, hey, I'm sorry, you know, I'm running late or I won't be able to come over till later. You know, the first thing inside me is like, oh, I just want him to come over. It's not fair. And I start to get resentful towards that client. And I just have to stop for a minute and go, okay, listen, Tamar, your need that's not being met is you want to spend time with them. That's not a bad thing. So just mm-hmm. acknowledging the fact that, hey, it's it's cool to want to spend time with them. But guess what? I'm in recovery. Do you know how many people I can call to catch up on if I'm feeling lonely? I pick up the phone. I said, hey, I've been thinking about you. I had some free time, which I normally, as you know, we don't have a lot of. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to give you a call. How are you doing? It's that simple. It's such a gift. (laughs) It's such a gift. And this, this thing that you just said about time, I don't, okay. Being in the pandemic, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, wherever the heck we are in this pandemic life, time, I'm noodling over it because Mm. it seems like I have less time now than I've ever had in my life. And I literally am like, WTF is going on. Are you what's happening? <laughs> well, look at every time we try to get together to chat, it's like, oh, I'm just jumping on another call. You're jumping on a call. I'm jumping on a call. Hey, I got 10 minutes. Let's chat. Right. It's, but here's the thing is I think we're finally doing, we're doing what we're passionate about. 
we found something that just fills our cup and we want to do more. But we've also, I don't know about you, but this has also made me realize that I have to prioritize other people in my life. It can't be all about my business. I have my partner. And honestly, until we broke up a few months ago, I realized I always had one foot out the door. I was always like, well, if he hurts me, I'm planning my own life. I never prioritized him. And so now it might just seem a little busier because I've chosen to take the weekends off. I've chosen to take the evenings off and spend it with him or the people I love. That's it right there, my friend. Prioritizing the relationships that are important, Mm -hmm. that you want to nurture and grow. So I'm going to tell a little story. Okay, I'm listening. (laughs) It's been fascinating to me uh, to be in the online world and meet these, I've met some incredible humans in the online world that I've connected with instantly. And we've established these very intimate relationships. But my friends that are in my same city, I'm literally not seeing them. I'm like, what is happening? Where are you? You live four minutes from me. I don't understand what's going on. So there's like this, it's like I'm living in a different universe. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Is that happening to you? Totally. What? Awkward silence. Yeah. What, like, (laughs) what is that? What is that about? I'm trying to figure it out because, you know, the people that are here in my city, I love. And I'll call and I'll FaceTime and I'll polo and I'll text and I get a response three days later. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to circle. This is going to come full circle. Okay. Because I go back to love, right? If you love me, if you nurture, you want the relationship to grow, then there should be a response. I get like selfish around that. Like, you know, this is this kind of relationship um, nurturing, mm-hmm. I would say. Uh, it's not that I am depending on these people. It's a kind of a mutual respect. If you call me, if you say, hey, Lane, I want to hang out, then I'm going to like, okay, let's put you on the calendar. I've had uh, another really good friend in my city here who we've, during the pandemic, <laughs> had hour-long conversations about, you've hurt my feelings. You don't show up. You know, she was just like nailing me with the hammer. <laughs> And I, and I had to come to Jesus moment of like, you're right. I need to prioritize this. We need to schedule. I need to do this differently. And it was amazing. And since then, this was like when the pandemic, mid pandemic, I guess, since then we've had, we're back on track and I've known her for, I don't know, 15 years at least, you know, Uh, but the relationships are changing as the world changes. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very interesting to me. And I don't like, am I going to see you? Are we going to meet in person? Right? Like, yeah, we are. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's really interesting to me how this pandemic, although the world has become smaller, it's actually gotten larger. Like I have friends all over the globe. Yeah. It's super cool. Super cool. I mean, I... 
it's surreal, mm-hmm. I think, sometimes, because I've always looked at things as this is really cool. I get very excited very quickly, as you know. Like, I just, when I'm passionate about something, I could talk about it for hours. Um, but it's just like, I think, and we experience this in recovery too, right? When you're sharing your a story and you're you're talking about it and you get that relatability, I think those of us in the space as entrepreneurs, we're so passionate about what we do. Mm-hmm. We're not going to take no for an answer. And we get really excited and we can meet at any time. And we know what it's like to be able to have to like schedule things and, and book a call. Like, I think that's a natural go-to is, yeah, book, book me in your calendar. Like, let's set a date because we're used to having to deal. But the people in our lives that, you know, we don't do that. We're not going to phone them up and say, hey, book me in your calendar. You know, like you have to call them up and say, let's plan a date on Friday or whatever. But it, it is different. Like where I think we're used to communicating that way, whereas, you know, people who aren't in the space are not. Such a good point. It changes. It's, it's changed the way I relate to people in my hometown. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah. Oh, continuing to grow. (laughs) That's what it's about. (laughs) It's exciting. So let's talk about what we're doing, you and I, because I'm freaking thrilled about it. Uh, I discovered, well, not discovered, but I'm a biohacker of about 22 years and uh, I'm going to be 25. So yeah, probably 22 years now, 23. Uh, And through my term of biohacking and hanging out with the biohacking community and being known in that world, I started getting into neuroscience about, God, my son. I always do things by my son's age. So I'm going to say about seven years ago before neuroscience kind of started picking up. And it changed the way that I started to practice it's, it started, it changed the way that I started seeing the world, you know, and how I related to people and I gave people more space. Uh, and you nerd out on neuroscience as well. How did you find it? I started with just coaching, right? But okay. I thought there's got to be something better out there because everybody's doing life coaching, everybody's doing recovery coaching. And I really wanted to focus on, I like to know the why behind everything. Like I'm that kid that's like, well, why, why? Right. And, you know, I started hearing neuroscience and one of the, the programs that I teach called YB12, the company that has created, created a neuroscience program called the NeuroChange Method. And so I thought, well, this is really cool. This can add to my tools. Mm-hmm. And especially when they started talking about neuroplasticity, which, as you know, is one of my favorite words now. And mm-hmm. it took me a while to say that, but I've changed my brain so that I can say it. And I just thought, well, how cool is this to understand how the brain works and how it can change and be able to help others create lasting change? Because I think... For me, I had, you know, I had started to create a life for myself where I never wanted to go back to my old way of living, right? When I dove into the world of podcasting and entrepreneurship, I really, really wanted to continue on with this. And I thought, well, science, I mean, nobody can dispute that because I think there's so much stuff out there right now. It's like, try this program, try this one. Well, if I can give you 50 
exercises that all are around the science of rewiring your brain, I thought that was a win-win. And I needed it for my own journey. So I never, ever teach anything I haven't done myself. And I actually used it to quit my job and become a full-time entrepreneur. I love that. I freaking love that. Yeah, we teach what we need to understand completely, yeah. right? Yeah. Mine is mindfulness and meditation. <laughs> I have to constantly keep on top of that. And yours is this neuro change, changing the way the brain is. Uh, so when we got together and we nerded out, uh, we created something for you guys to listen to, ladies, friends, listeners. And Tamara, why don't you share a little bit of how this is going to play out? Oh, it's This gets me excited. Like it really mm-hmm. does. Um, so I think, you know, what we always start off with is purpose and flow, right? And I think it's under, it's, it's, really great to understand, okay, what do I want for my life? What are my values, right? And how do I get into that state of flow by doing the things I'm passionate about? It gives you a clear direction, right? So we're going to start with that. Um, You have a great, great mindfulness practice meditation after that, that rounds it off nicely. But each um, topic that we go into really builds upon one another. You know, we start in beliefs because really, you know, two people can have the same goal, do the same things to get to that goal, but it's the person who believes in their ability to accomplish it that is going to achieve it. And then from there, we get into mindset. And, you know, I think people are always really shocked. They think that they have a growth mindset. It's like, oh, yeah, I love Mm -hmm. to try new things. Mm -hmm. But they're afraid to make mistakes. And when you start to ask them those questions, right? Oh, yeah. The the growth mindset, I could go off on that. (laughs) It's like... People brag about, oh, yeah, I'm so, I have the open mind. I have growth. I'm all about it. Mm-mm. This, is yeah. why you're, this is why you've hired me to coach you or you've hired Tamar to coach you because <laughs> your mindset is everything. Mm-hmm. It gets you to the next level with whatever you want in your life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's our third topic, that, right? Third topic. That is number three. Yeah. Okay. And number four. Oh, yes. Number four. Oh, my favorite. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to say it? I can tell you're excited to say it. Well, it's emotional intelligence, EI. Yes. People don't talk about this and it makes me crazy. I'm always like, read the room. Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's like short answer for emotional intelligence for me. <laughs> Like if you can read the room and know you're good, we're going to, mm-hmm. we're going to play well together. Yeah. What do you, th- what do you, what's your kind of quick EI? It can unlock one's untapped potential. Yes. Right. Emotional awareness. I just actually taught this um, mm-hmm. to a group of women and one of them, the, the following week, I always ask them, you know, how did you practice this? And one of them said, Tamar, I got really angry. Something triggered me at work. And I, I, I just sat there for a second and thought, okay, where am I feeling this in my body? Like she was mm-hmm, do, replaying mm-hmm. it all and her ability to change the, the, you know, result because she didn't react to what, you know, she was angry at the time was just yeah. incredible. And so it really can, it can save you from a lot of heartache. That's for sure. So important. <laughs> and again, it's something that you don't think about because you, you're, 
I find from working with people in this arena is that they think I've got this. Meanwhile, their relationships are suffering. They're not getting paid what they want to. Uh, their health is, you know, not as... And I'm not saying this to be a Debbie Downer here. I'm just saying this to kind of crack open space, to be open to this conversation about emotional awareness or emotional intelligence. That's all. Just saying. I love okay. it. Yeah. What's number... Okay. So that's uh, la, 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 that's week four. Week, week five. Week five is subconscious mind, right? Internal motivation. And I love this because the example I use is if you ever bought a car and, you know, you start to notice that car everywhere. And, you know, I've had people tell me like, oh, I can't believe everybody's buying the same car that I have. It's like, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. Those cars existed before you bought the car, but it's because... Now it's in your conscious awareness, right? It's something you're just going to notice. And so the subconscious mind is really learning how to prime our world, right? Our environment. And how do we make things more automated? Yes. Everything becomes automated. Yes. (laughs) So good. (laughs) And then we close up in week six with our favorite topic, brain health or neuroplasticity. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. Winning. Yes. Brain health, yes. mm-hmm. so important. And just understanding that we are we are not who we are, right? The brain we're born with is not the brain we die with. And a lot of people will say, oh, that's just who I am. I've always been that way. Well, you know what? I call on that. <laughs> that's a bunch of, you know. So right? I think that's, your brain can change. It, it can change. And I look at this from... We're all aging forward. <laughs> We're not aging backwards. And so as we age, I'm very cognizant of m- mental wellness and the neuroplasticity. It's, I don't want to, um, I've had to put my mother-in-law into a house. Uh, my grandfather passed from Alzheimer. Uh, so I know that this is something that I need to be aware of because it's 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 in my actual DNA, but then I've been up close with it. And I'm very much uh, familiar with the Bresden protocol and have worked on that with clients. So I, I, this topic I'm super passionate about because we can change our brain. Mm-hmm. So that is our week six that we're going to be serving up. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, oh, the other thing that's really exciting about this is that with every every topic we um also i am sharing a mindfulness practice around the specific topic so i'm i'm excited about this because it's just a i get to work with you on it but it's also it's going to you know open our listeners up to more in their life Mm -hmm. i think right i know it's you know if you have the willingness that's what counts, right? It's doing those small things every day, getting you in the right direction. And before you know it, you'll literally stop and turn around Mm -hmm. and be like, I can't believe how far I've come. And we don't, you know, we talked about that today. Mm -hmm. 
and we don't take the time to do that, right? So it's just, it's such an amazing journey. I love all these topics. I mean, I could talk all day about them and I'm so grateful that we're doing this together because you're, you know, the meditation practice at the end of it, I think it just, it really solidifies it, right? It's like, let's really get that into the brain. Yes, that's what we want. Uh, so be looking for these episodes that are going to be coming out. Uh, we're going to serve it on up to you. Uh, Tamar, is there anything else that you want to share? How are people going to find you? Do you want to give out your, the road forward? The, where, where do they, where do they go? Your podcast? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so the easiest place where everything is located is my website, which is www.theroadforward.ca. And I love to hang out on Instagram, which is the road beyond recovery, which is also the name of my podcast, the road beyond recovery podcast. So I thought I'd keep it easy. Keep it easy. I love it. Well, friends, I hope you've enjoyed the banter of Tamar and I and finding out more about her. Uh, she will be on the show again and be looking for these episodes about changing your brain. I hope you'll join us again. Thanks for being here, my friend. Until next time, may you find something bright, something light, and something so delicious it fills you up so you can be the best I know you can be. Bye for now. <laughs>